It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. You're listening to Beyond the Letter with Pastor Adam and Caleb Mesa. I mean, most people who are getting abortion, they, they're, they're, the conception day is pretty traumatic for them. We're getting it. No way. For sure, the average person getting aborted because they don't love the person normal. They don't love the person that they're with a lot of times when they're getting an abortion. It comes comes out of place of regret. I don't want to oh, do life saying. with this person. I don't want this person to be, I don't want to be connected with this person for the next 18 years Yeah, type mm-hmm. of thing. So average person getting an abortion is, is saying, I don't want to be associated with this guy for the 18 years that I would have to yeah. see this thing through. Mm-hmm. Well, Well, that's... That that I've been watching Married at First Sight, and um, <laughs> Whoa, what's that? It's it's a show where they oh. they meet the day they get married, just like you know, not like arranged marriages because it's a little more to it. But yeah, it's a literal social project, like um, you know. But huh. they meet their partner that they're marrying at the altar. They meet them there. Okay. They say vows that they pre wrote. Sets them up. Experts, so you you fill oh, out okay. a form and basically yeah. okay. your ideal partner, Hundreds and then you questions. have what, a pastor, a counselor, some, some people. Yeah, it's just some well, experts. Train wreck. It's, How's a, it going it's on the show? It's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. But it, I was thinking about like they make that decision pretty much ahead of time, saying I know I'm, you know, all that stuff. But it's just an absolute train wreck. So did they? they so it is a train wreck. Do Absolutely. they follow them afterwards and, and, and well, see how, if they hold it through? Like, when do they divorce? So there's a, there, it, I think it's eight weeks of, um, you know, they do a honeymoon period, a living together period, and then there's decision day, which they have to decide, do you want to divorce or so not? So it's backwards. So they do it totally. Wow. So what percentage that, divorce? Um, I, It's hard. To, maybe like 70%. <laughs> wow. Right? Do you what watch horrible it? horrible social experiment. It feels like yeah. about 70% of the couples you divorce. you seen a game? Yeah. I think yes. they... I think they qualified as an annulment. Right, they, yeah. They, if you, you do it within a certain so amount of time. Yeah. But yeah. So it, it's pretty Why wild. even do such a thing when you're having such bad, like, if I was a pastor or psychologist in that thing that was getting these people together, I'd be like, dude, we got a 30% success rate. <laughs> right. What do we do? This is worse than the yeah. real world's 50% yeah. success rate. Well, what's, you know? what's horrible like, <laughs> is every time they, they do this really tricky in reality TV, but with this show, they did it in the latest season. Is their portrayal of Christians gets me so mad, and I'm used to that in reality TV. But they started off good. Did you watch the most recent season? Not the most. Recent, There's this Christian no. couple, and they just sound so good. And then as soon as they get married, it's just like they make Christians look stupid. Really? Like it, it's, which is what you expect. But I let my guard down because the opening of it and their introductions were just so dope. Okay, what we're doing today <clears throat> here on Beyond the Letter is uh got nancy here on the table with us hey. yes we got is. uh verlon aka jermaine aka yes, baker yes, aka junior. Um, yeah junior <laughs> uh aka Eho, everything Eho. else un- underneath then we got uh, me and caleb 
It's been a while since we uh, came at you as the People's Padres. We'll do mm. that today, People's Padres. Uh, we still, I mean, it just, time is flying so fast, but we were, we were working on some People's Padre merch. So mm-hmm. we'll hopefully revisit that and uh, so people can represent uh, the People's Padre. Also, mm-hmm. revisit some sayings that we say on the podcast. What was some of the merch we talked about? I know we, uh, I know we talked about People's Padre. I know we talked mm-hmm. about, um, what do we say a lot on here? Riveting? Yeah, Something absolutely. Like that. Yeah. Oh, like that, that was sticky. Yeah, some sayings. Yeah, yeah. Somebody sayings. dropped that on me in passing. They were just like, riveting. Riveting. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, we take it They'll all. comment that on the YouTube channel, too. Really? <laughs> do they? Riveting. People comment on it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we need cool. a riveting. Our social media uh, DMs, that was riveting. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we need, yeah, it's we definitely needed some riveting merch. And then uh, I forgot what else we had. Well, we, you, we want some Constantine merch for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, the key in the row, uh, Constantine's uh, empire, yeah. where he destroyed nations and uh, <laughs> murdered people, and mm-hmm. Caleb uh, is a pro-Constantine. Maybe Ka- one of Caleb's puppets yeah. or something. <laughs> a Palestinian flag. Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Today, what we thought we would do is we, we had crazy amount of submissions for our live Q&As that we do on our church channel, and so what we figured out figured we would do is pull up some of those questions mm-hmm. and uh, because yeah. we've gotten a lot in every live q a i think we just picked anywhere between six to seven out of the numerous ones that have been submitted so we figured that we would uh jump into some of them discuss them get some perspective so that some of those who have been asking those these questions can uh could feel like we navigated them. And most of the time some theological a lot of it most of the time is like life situational kind of uh, wisdom approach uh, type of stuff. So <clears throat> let me go through. I was thinking here. Uh, let me go through uh, some of these questions, and I will choose one. We'll throw it at the table uh, so that we could go ahead and talk about it today. Uh, let's just go with the first one, okay? Uh, the person asked, "How do we honor our mother and fathers?" Obviously, going from the scriptures to honor thy mother and father. How do we honor our mother and father in adulthood? How do we foster a relationship with our parents as a, as adult children, even so when they're hurt and pain from childhood till now? How do we manage disagreements when our parents believe they will always know best? <clears throat> Sheesh! Hmm. <laughs> Who wants to jump at that first? I think first, if you have, if you, if you, first of all, you need to forgive your parents whatever issues that you have against them growing up. Forgive them and meet with them and forgive them, like clear the air, because that's going to open up freedom to interact and to have um, dinners or lunches and to have conversation. But it, before you, oftentimes we, we hold these grudges against our parents mm-hmm. that we have against them growing up. And we never address it mm-hmm. and we never sit down with them and t- look at them point. in the eye and say, I forgive you for doing this when I was a kid because I feel like it really kind of messed me up. And so that's first and foremost. Like if you have anything against your parents, forgive them one on one, schedule a meeting um, and forgive them. And um, and whatever whatever issues you have with them, let it be known to them. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I respect about Adam is he's he's very quick to tell my mom or dad in the moment issues that he has with them or weaknesses that 
where like I, I, I just want to be at peace and I'm not, I'm just going to like forget about it. I'm going to sweep it under the rug. I don't want to deal with drama. I don't want to deal with conflict. Whereas, uh, you know, Adam's like, well, dad, like the reason this is happening is because you do this. <laughs> hey, mom, <laughs> the reason this is because you do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's important, not, you know, mm. just to uh, have that open line of communication. And then um, I would say proactively um, schedule lunches. That's one thing that I've learned because um, up until up until my um, my my trial seven years ago, I didn't value um, really value like developing a deep relationship with my parents. It was always very superficial. And then when I went through a time of suffering, I I needed their help, and uh, and and so I learned. I, I needed their wisdom. I needed their counsel. And so I learned to be proactive with scheduling lunches regularly with my mom. And I ended up enjoying it. And I ended up um, uh, learning things about her that I never knew. Mm-hmm. Things about her, her upbringing, her teenage years. And this is, this is one thing that I told my wife. And um, it's, I, I was like, it's crazy. Like, my mom went from being my mom to being my friend. Mm-hmm. because I started having those regular lunches with her um, because she was there in my time of need, you know, and the same similar thing happened with my dad, just a more deep um, relationship. And that's the thing we forget about with times of suffering and mm-hmm. trials that that is is something that I've learned is one of the one of the um, the things God wants to bring out of it is our love for one another. So if we never suffered, we never went through trials, we would all really live a very selfish life for the most part. Mm-hmm. We would never really reach out to people, develop meaningful relationships. Whereas for me, it was like I had to humble myself and I had to seek their help. And I and I actually ended up enjoying it. I ended up, you know, feeling a closer <clears throat> bond with them uh, through that experience. So around um, what age were you where you say like, oh, I started having lunches with my parents? Is this after um, or during it, the- it, it, be, it, like it was, it was, it was, uh, wasn't until I went through this. So at the late twenties, late twenties mm-hmm. and it wasn't, yeah. And it was because I was in such a desperate situation mm-hmm. and, um, and I didn't have any money. And so like, it was hard to like get food a lot of times. And so I would call my mom, Hey mom, can we do lunch? And I like, we'd have like a great meal, uh, that I normally wouldn't have had. So it started with just like me getting out of the house, surrounding myself with a person to talk to and, and be a human with. But through that, I ended up feeling a closeness with my mom Mm -hmm. and with my dad, but especially with my mom. Cause I, I, it was always like, I, I always just grew up. She was always just my mom. Like she was just my mom. Mm -hmm. I never knew her at a deep level. And she went through so much growing up that I never knew any of that. And she never shared it with me. And um, so, like I said, one of the benefits of my suffering has been just a closer bond, closer friendship with my mom and dad. And um, I think as you get older, a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, young men right now who whose fathers weren't in their lives and they're reconnecting with their fathers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're finding out that they're they're great guys like they're 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 well, what's very common and they become friends. Yeah. What's very common is is. is the children don't wait until 
really their parent starts getting old and they see their humanity or the parent gets sick. So you have a lot Mm -hmm. of these 50 and 60 year old people who are connecting with their 80 year old parents, but it, but it took them 30, 40 years to do that because now they see, Oh, time is fragile. Oh, they could Mm -hmm. pass away. Oh, they're sick. Let me value this. And then they're like, why didn't I do this Mm -hmm. 30 years Mm -hmm. ago? Why did I let, that hurt or why did I let that falling short or that failure keep me from that relationship or that connection, or at least just having a a bridge that was built. And I see that, I think that's the beauty of being in the church Mm -hmm. because for most people, if you're, if you're not locally active in some type of church or a community that has multiple ages is most people's life consists of their immediate family going to work and whatever stuff their kids are involved in. But mm-hmm. when you're involved in a church, you are involved in other people's lives in different ways. And so I get the opportunity as someone in their 30s to interact with people that aren't my family that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s and hear from them on where they're at. And that is one of the resounding things that I hear is a lot of 80-year-olds will come to me and be like, I'm so happy I've been reconnecting with my children and my grandchildren who and my children are yeah. 58 and my children are wow. 18, you know, right. like 16. And it's like, wow, so much in between there, so much mm-hmm. anger, so much hate can really right. devoid you and, and rob you of years of valuable <laughs> uh, opportunities. And so for me, you know, one of the things I've realized, and we talked about it on this podcast before, is um, generations, at least in America, don't tend to really pass down appropriate family values or healthy family values. Mm -hmm. So each generation is kind of starting over on Mm -hmm. how to parent. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever really realized that my parents had no idea what they were doing when they had us. They're Mm -hmm. just trying to piece it together. And so where I thought my dad was hard or where he wasn't around or where I thought my mom wasn't uh, emotionally available or whatever it was, I'm realizing like, well, they didn't you know, me knowing my mom's story now, me knowing a bit my dad and how his relationship was with his father. And then I've talked to my grandfather and my grandfather tells Mm -hmm. me about his father Mm -hmm. and how his father was stoic, never spoke to him and never to, it's like, oh, it all starts to make sense. That doesn't excuse any of the pain or trauma, but at least for me, I've chosen to use humor out of it, Mm. which is what I use a lot for my parents, you know, like in behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. you know, I will, in our family is a very joking family. We will use a lot of humor to, you know, kind of push through pain Mm -hmm. that is all real, you know, in the family. And we all kind of laugh at it and move forward. And, Mm -hmm. but over the years, we've had those necessary conversations to say that, um, you know, p- my dad over the years preaching has been very public on his hurts that me and Caleb had had given him mm-hmm. in his years of trial of cancer and how we left the yeah. church and we did all these things. And I mean, same way we have been, you know, public in saying, hey, this is what. And I think for people, that's good to hear mm-hmm. that there are these Christians, there's pastors, blah, 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 and they fall short. They fail. Um, they're not perfect. But we have a reconciled family. You know, like our relationships are great. We just all had lunch together yesterday for Caleb's birthday and just joked the whole time and talked the whole time. And so, you know, that, but that wouldn't happen if I still felt like I had a lot of Mm. anger and resentment and stuff like that. And then I think honoring them is valuing my parents. Obviously, I'm around my parents all the time. They're always giving me their opinion on stuff, but yeah. that's just what it is. Right. It's I was an opinion. Say that. That is yeah. really you know, 
Like, what do you say? Because you've had thoughts on this in the past that I, we've talked about. Like, what do you what do you say to people who are like afraid to confront their mom <clears throat> or their dad? Usually, yeah. it's one. Yeah. Usually, one's more dominant. They're more afraid um, to confront either their mom or their dad. But they'll just just they'll just let them abuse the relationship or abuse the the family or just you know they're just inconsiderate, controlling. And they kind of hold it in, and because they don't want to, they don't want drama. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's mom, you know, it's mom. <clears throat> they're they're afraid of their mom, or they're yeah, afraid or of that's their dad. dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you what do you say to people like that? I mean, I think normally, it's rarely it's rarely a time where it just goes really really well. So there's always going to be uh, a, there's always going to be a conflict. There's always going to be some type of yep. difficulty in that. I. You know, you're talking about a parent and they do view their children as children. So for mm-hmm. the children to come and say, hey, we think that you're too hard on us or you set unrealistic expectations or it hurt me and it hurt my brothers and sisters when we were younger, when you did X, Y, Z. Well, most of the time they're going to say, shut up. I gave you life. Get yeah. You know, whatever. You know, it's like they're just going to disregard. So I think more than anything, it's a matter of uh, something that you need to do for you. And it's something that you need to do to set a standard and a boundary. And it's less about getting your parents to necessarily change. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause th- that's what I've talked about before is with other people. When we've talked about those things, like, man, my mom is just still so involved in our life. My mom is still, and I'm so scared of her and I just want her approval or my dad, mm-hmm. he just has yeah. so much expectations and he's never happy with us. He's always angry at us. How can I get them to change? Well, you can't right. get mm-hmm. them to change. Uh, that's something that they need to decide mm-hmm. to do. But more than anything, People like that do value their family more than ever. That There's a reason why they're doing an anaconda to their family. They're suffocating everyone in the family because they care. Mm-hmm. It's less about control and it's more about, Protecting. I care about you guys so much that I feel like I know what's best. Yeah. yeah. And, and at some point you gotta like put your foot down yeah. And that was one of the common things. My 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 mother in law is the matriarch of my mm-hmm. my uh, my wife's family. So um, even when her father was alive, um, her mom Betsy it, it was still the she was still the voice in the family. What, what she said went. She was the matriarch. Mm-hmm. They were not patriarchal. Tom kind of went with the flow. He was still very much a man, very strong, led, but all in all with the family and what we're doing for holidays, vacations, and. And she never meant it in a bad way. That's just their system and dynamic. But as as me and Ashley are getting married, I have a very busy life. I'm in ministry. So I have less availability to, to be available for the things the family was doing. And so Ashley would have this fear of disappointing her mom if she couldn't go to things or I couldn't go to stuff. And, and it was basically like, we just you just have to have a conversation yeah. with her. Just make it known about where our life is at and, and that it's coming from a place of care. We don't want, we're not trying to be absent from something. It's just our life and our lifestyle is very different than maybe someone who works a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Or someone who gets a lot of uh, pay time off or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that kind of luxury. And over the years, like, her mom didn't understand it. And then now her mom totally understands it. Because Ashley just kind of, hey, th- this is the boundaries of my life that I can do. And so I think it's just a matter of of um, a person needs to establish their boundaries. Say, hey, mom and dad, um, this is what I will no longer be able to do. Or this was I no longer be doing. And to me, that is honor. Um, honor doesn't mean you do whatever someone says. Honor says, 
mom, dad, I've taken your advice. I've taken your opinion. I've weighed it with great value and I've weighed it with great decision, but here's what I'm doing with this. Mm -hmm. I honor you because I heard you and I listened to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. If a stranger came up to me and said, Hey, I think you need to do this with your life. Um, <clears throat> I would like, yeah, okay. okay. Like, I don't even know who you <laughs> right. are. Right. I wouldn't honor them. I wouldn't even honor them with a few minutes because I'm like, I don't know who you are. You're a stranger. But if I looked at someone and I valued them, I would stop and I pause. And I tell people this all the time in our church, because um, everyone always has an opinion. I think the church should do this or do this. I always say, I'm going to honor you with by taking your words into yeah. consideration. Mm -hmm. But what I'm not going to do is do what you told me mm -hmm. to do. That's not honorable because I would be doing it without conviction or without belief. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to please a mother or father just because I don't want the conflict or I want the family to accept yeah. me because now my heart's not there. I'm there and mm. I have so much division and anxiety and I'm just doing it because I don't want to be that one black sheep in the family. Mm. You know, instead it's like, here's my boundary. Here's what I can and can't do. And I would appreciate it if you respect it. If you don't, um, you just have to be prepared to understand right. yeah. that things may change, you yeah, know, in, in that sure. relation, but it's not on you, yeah. you know, it's not on you to weigh that out. And I yeah. think what you said is key. So I recently went through something with my dad and I've had a great relationship with my dad growing up. But what you said, like my thing, I grew up in a very traditional household. So, you know, my dad, leader of the home, mom stayed at home and I grew up pretty strict, you know, mm -hmm. um, pretty sheltered. And so a lot of the time it was like, whatever they said goes, you know, because like you said, it was out of protection and care and love. Mm -hmm. And so now growing up, I'm in my thirties and now I'm like, instead of having those conversations, which I should, it's not that I'm going to do what they say. So recently I got my nose pierced and usually oh, I like, not yeah, to, not to. I know, I know, You're I crazy. know, I know, pretty wild. Not to, not to. So, <laughs> yeah. So for me, I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. You know, I'm just going to do oh it. I'm God, grown, yeah. whatever. <laughs> but um, he was like, you know, it's not that you need to ask me for permission. He's like, I just want to have conversations with you, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it may seem like, oh, you're trying to change my mind. That's why. But, I think that's what it is like when you're saying honoring just having conversations and not that I have to ask for permission for everything a tattoo or yeah yeah. Right. yeah early um, on because this because like I literally felt Caleb's like a I was snitch bro really? every time oh I get a new tattoo man <laughs> every time we, I remember one time when I first got the one on my sleeve right here we were sitting at my parents house and he goes and I'm like sitting the whole day like this with my arms hiding and my uh -oh. dad, Caleb, goes, hey, dad, wh what do you think about Adam's new tattoo? Uh -oh. Yo. He's like, what? What new tattoo? And he sees it. And he literally, he's like so upset. He just, yeah, he, he got just, upset. He just gets, I'm such he, a troll. <laughs> he, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he literally got up and just walked away. Like for yeah, like an hour. Like when he, was that? When was that? No. Yeah. Well, it was because uh, you were. Ten years ago. It was like because um, you were. You were you just started like really preaching here, pastor. Yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. So he was just thinking about <laughs> all he was oh, thinking man, about was the, the future. Yeah. The church is going to see that now because every other tattoo before that was hidden. You could hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. one you couldn't. So funny. yeah, it was yeah. the it was this lion and my girlfriend Ashley, who's my wife, was the one that because she like forget what people say. You know, I was like because I grew up. You know, church was big. I I grew up very self conscious of what anyone would think about yeah. me. Um, because I you I'm always the sermon illustration for the for the preacher. So 
I mean, actually, you know, I'm she's like, I'm like, say, I would love to get a tattoo here or whatever. And she's like, you should do it. I'm like, no, I'm my, my parents, what will they think? And then the church, and then I don't want my dad to look bad. And, and her, she like, cause she didn't, she grew up in church, but she didn't grow up with the weight that, you know, I had as a preacher's son. So she's like, forget them, forget their opinion. <laughs> like you do you, you blah, 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 be authentic, be true. And you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, I know there's nothing wrong with it, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you should do it. And then I do it. And within a week, Caleb snitching on me. My dad's so mad. He gets up. He goes to the other room. Uh, now, now, because and I never did it for those reasons, but now people will legitimately, because there's so many people that are far off from Christ, um, because of the tattoos, there will be people who, who will ask my dad or ask me, hey, when are you preaching next? Because I have a cousin I've been trying to get to church, but they're against religion. Right. They just think church is stuffy. So, and they'll tell me, Pastor Adam, could you, on a weekend, I'm going to bring a family member. Could you not wear a, a suit or a I'll jacket? I'll ask you to wear like short sleeves. That's for me, sure. Because they go, I know my family member, and you got to remember where we're at. We're in Rancho Cucamonga, but we're neighbored to San Bernardino, Rialto, Ontario, Whole really thing. rough yeah. places, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they just go, when I bring my family, I've shown them a picture of you, and they're like, wow, a pastor has tattoos? I would go to a church like that. They asked me, can you take have your jacket off? So as my dad started hearing that, he was like, oh, like, I did the opposite. I thought people were going to ridicule my son. Yeah. Um, and obviously we still don't want to ever do things for that. But right. he was like, oh, this maybe actually is uh, yeah. pretty chill. You know? Did he talk to you guys though? When the day he walked up, called, did he ever talk to you about that? How did that No, we never talked about it. Wow, that's yeah. intense. Yeah. yeah. The well, walk away of disappointment. Well, because we had an agreement. He said, you can have one tattoo when you're, as, when you're under my house. So the day I graduated high school, I was still 17. I went and got mm. my first tattoo. But he said, as long as you're in my house, you can only have one. And that is including in college, right? So I respected that. I honored them because I was under their roof. I was under their covering. They were paying for my college. They were paying for my yeah. food. They were paying. So honor to me is like, yeah, when you're under their roof, yeah, yeah. yeah what, what they say goes. You, have, you, you can make your big boy and big girl decisions when you are no longer being cared for by them and right. you're taking care of yourself. You have left your father and mother. Then now you'd make your decisions for yeah. your own, right? Yeah. If you're still, if they're still yeah. providing to me, you have to really begin to still weigh their, yeah. their stuff. Yeah. So I respected right. it for those four years when until I was 21, I only had one tattoo. I did not get a single one. The day I moved out of their house and I moved in with our oldest brother, Nathan, um, just started getting <laughs> blasted, my boy. Yeah, and I respected their thing. But, but you know? there is an incident in your adult life where you did submit to his 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 counsel and his yeah. prohibition, and that was in relation to to riding your motorcycle. Yeah, so, I wish he did that sooner. But uh, yeah, so that's an area where you did <laughs> acknowledge and you did respect his wishes. Yeah. With, with that, because it had to do with you know the, the fact that you're leading this church and not not adding any risk to your life. Yeah. And that, risk mitigation. Yeah, risk mitigation. And, yeah. That's what you know. a, people don't realize is like when you, if you start to become part of something that's bigger than yourself, mm -hmm. is you have to submit to rules and boundaries that um, you aren't necessarily a fan of. And there there are quite a few of those things that I have boundaried uh, my life to mitigate uh, risk as much as possible because no one wants you to lead a business to or to lead a church of of this size, uh, thinking that you're um, thinking that you're a rebel without a cause and you do whatever you want whenever you want because you just don't get that luxury to do it. 
I just tell people that all the time, like whatever life you think I have, I don't have the luxury to do or make the kind of mistakes that, that maybe a normal person would make in that case. And one of those was riding a motorcycle because it's, there's a saying in the motorcycle community, it's not a matter of if you get in an accident, it's when you get an accident. And so for my dad, it was, um, in my adulthood and I had just bought my motorcycle. I only had it for four months. Like how old were you? Um, 27. Okay. Wife kid you know own house oh wow okay so mm-hmm. you know i'm like not it under his covering anyway but he said he said you know if um if i'm gonna you know begin to mentor you to lead this church i only have one request that that you no longer ride a motorcycle he goes i don't want to worry about the future of this church thinking that you could mm-hmm. die or be injured any day i want to mitigate that risk so i don't ever want you to t- touch it so what was your initial reaction oh i said i said yeah I, you know, I have so much respect for my dad now mm-hmm. and he does ask very little of me. That's the okay. thing. Like he not share his opinion about everything. So after that first tattoo I had on my forearm and he wasn't a fan after that, he came, never commented on my tattoos again, mm-hmm. other than on a positive nature once he just got over it. Yeah. And then, um, never talked about it again. So it's not like every time I see him, I'm like, oh, this is a, it's a nut. And I know there are parents like that. Yeah. Like, oh, it's another thing, dad. Another thing I'm doing. Yeah. Another way I'm raising my kid. Another, right. He's not like yeah. that. And so, I will say you your know, dad watching you guys and being in this church, but watching how your dad is, that is the, in my opinion, the epitome of how a parent should transition from a parent to a friend because yeah. this conversation I don't think is talked about enough. Yeah. Because, you know, because doing life with us and, um, that is a big issue. We had to deal with it. Me and my wife had to deal with that parenting, trying to parent. Now we have a son, a family, our own place. And like, we don't need parents now. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are the parents. We yeah. don't need a parenting right. figure. We need a friend. We need a mentor. And so a lot of parents, based on that question, obviously do not transition well, like you said, with your mom transitioning to a friendship. Right. Um, right. But it was dope what yeah. you said about forgiveness because yeah, that yeah. that's yeah. a big deal. And, yeah. Um, forgiveness is easier said than done but like um i was able to forgive my parents yeah by empathizing with their life because I, I i like yeah. to talk about their history um because i'm just generally you know more chill and if i do have resentment it's not gonna it's not on site like mm-hmm. with you as a family i'm not gonna be like forget you so even when i did have resentment i would just talk to my dad a lot what was your life like as a teenager what were we like when you were 12 do you have any memories and i just hear his life and it allowed me to forgive him more. Yeah, you go, oh my God. Uh, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah, and with my mom, yeah. And yeah. for my wife, her mom, single mom, making minimum wage, raising three kids. And yeah. so all those hurts and yeah. pains. And not like you two, you're not an immigrant child, but even for those immigrant children. Oh, like, for sure. Tell me what oh, yeah, it was like in Mexico. Me. Tell me yeah, what it was yeah, like yeah. in Guatemala. You're like, right. oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, like, and and they were, <laughs> turns out when they were raising you. eight years old. My yeah. Dad. yeah. Like, and turns out when they were raising you, they were in a traumatic everyday survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so you could be more empathetic to that. Like, wow, okay. Like, yeah. all right, maybe uh, I was hurt, but yeah, <laughs> you yeah, really yeah. were going through yeah. it. So that's all good stuff. I think my mother, Mother-in-law does it does it great too. This reminds me of a recent uh, situation because uh, she's so supportive. Goes to all of our boys' things, games, da da. Like just super super engaged as a grandma, um, super committed. Uh, just like my mom and my dad, but but Betsy uh, is very committed in like sports and and what the boys are doing in terms of extracurriculars. But um, but one of the funniest th- things that happened recently was I was in my office and it was in between a service. And, you know, I, I, I preach a lot 
and preach other places a lot. So people don't even hear it on this podcast. My vocal cords get strained a lot. So I ha- I have stuff that I use like atomizers that help with my vocal cords and it's like a vocal mist. So you put it on and the mist goes and you inhale it and it heals your vocal cords. So, so one Sunday I, w- I was, uh, I was using it. And so, you know, you basically breathe in and it's a, it's a, you know, it's medicine, it's called vocal mist. And so I, you breathe out. So all this mist comes out. So my mother-in-law <laughs> walks in and, and she goes, now, Adam, I don't share my opinion much about how mm. you guys live or how you raise your kids. I keep my opinions to myself. And she goes, but this one, I'm going to have to put my foot down. You should not be vaping. And you definitely no. should not be vaping in the presence no, of your you. kids. I said, Betsy, this is medicine. This isn't vaping. <laughs> it's to heal my, heal my vocal cords. Right, right. And she goes, oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Because it looks like it looks <laughs> yeah, like a, like yeah. a little vape. You could just Google Vogelmist. But it looks like it's right. an atomizer. It right. has medicine. It's like a little and vape. it turns it into a, a smoke and you you breathe it in. And so she so it literally it does. I mean, it looks like a vape. So I start laughing. I go, that it's not what it is. But but and she started laughing. She's like, Oh, my bad. It, yeah, it yeah. really looked like it. She goes, I also thought it'd be weird in between services. Yeah. Uh, it's my coping mechanism. Blowing circles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to touch on too, there's probably some people that don't have their parents in their lives or, you know, they don't have the whether they've passed away in jail or whatever the situation right. may be. That doesn't mean you have to talk to them to have that closure. You just that's something you would work from within, you know, and talk to God with those yeah. conversations. So yeah. it's not like, oh man, I have to now go contact my dad or my mom. Right. You let the Holy Spirit guide you in those things and pray about it. And if the opportunity presents itself, then that's when you can have that conversation. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, I just want to mention, I mean, we all have some of us, you know, have our parents in our lives. So those that don't. And also, what about what would you guys say for kids that really have or children? adults that have gone through extreme trauma with their parents. Um, how would you approach that type of situation when trying to either reconcile or, you know? Well, I, I think that, I think that you, if they are alive and if they are, uh, you're able to make contact best to do it in person. But if you have to do it over, do it over the phone, but you have to have a sit down with your mother or with your father and you have to tell them your complaints and how you feel like they they failed you yeah. in raising you. You have to be specific and you have to be clear. Now, if 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 um, there's a there's a slight chance that they'll respond well to that and they'll be, you know, th- man, I'm so sorry. I I didn't know that made you feel like that, or I I that was so wrong. I want to I want to work on our relationship. I want it to be get better. Then yeah, like you you foster that relationship. You 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 uh, you take that relationship to a healthier, better level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming friends with them now that you're an adult, but. Most of the time, maybe most of the time, this is just my gut feeling. Yeah. Most of the time, if if they they, they may respond with, um, what, "What are you talking about?" or be offended, or you know, uh, be resistant towards that, yeah. and be or they say, "I didn't do that when you were younger." Yeah, yeah, just be in denial. Totally re- yeah. Be in denial. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that case, in that case, you made your peace. Yeah. And you just wipe your hands clean, and you don't yeah. you don't yeah. have to feel like an obligation to have a relationship that they don't want, yeah, or that they're yeah. not gonna. It's not gonna be a healthy relationship. Yeah. And for massive trauma, I mean, I do. I, I I fully recommend some type of therapy, some type of counseling. I mean, if you have stuff that you can't, or even 
um, that's that's bottled up. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I recently had heard of an, another pastor that um, he didn't know that he was given up for adoption until he, w- he was six years old when his mother came oh, back wow. into his life. But he had so much trauma, he had filled in years one to six mm-hmm. as if he was raised by his mother. and But his yeah. mother was like a, a drug addict or something like that. So she gave him up. She came back in his life at six and his trauma was so deep that he didn't, he forgot years one to six. He had just filled in fake memories Mm -hmm. of his mother. And it wasn't until he had reconnected in his twenties with his dad and his dad goes, man, I'm so glad you have reconnected with me and forgave me. Um, At what point did you forgive your mother? And he's like, forgive my mother for what? And he's like, forgiving you up until you were six Mm -hmm. for her drug addiction. He was like, yeah, she never did that. And then, Right when his dad said that, it unlocked him crying Crazy. at four and five. Where's mommy? I mean, he just, I right, mean, he just, right. and he had to go to therapy. Like, well, I want to say know, this like, regarding that like, because um, in our society, in our society, the, the the father and the man gets a lot of the 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 the, the heat, a lot yeah. of the criticism, a lot of the. Um, but you know what? There are a lot of moms that mess their kids up. And a lot of people are just like, no, but she took care of me. Yeah, but, you know, she she dealt you some pretty harsh trauma. Yeah, by, raised you by, in a by trap ye- house. By yelling, yeah. by yelling at you every day, by raising her voice, by expressing anger the way that she did, by controlling you uh, uh, inappropriately the way that she did. So I just want to emphasize that because... Yeah, generally, there's trauma with both. I know, but but, know. but in our society... Oh, I know. We, the we father's emphasized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah but I'm saying, father, I'm saying they're, even, they're rarely, like, just mutually exclusive. I mean, usually someone... You know the men get the heat, but it is usually the mother and the father who have right. And a lot of times, a, a lot play, of times with mothers, you know? though, it's it's it, the, the, like fathers, if they're if they inflict trauma, it's it may be physical, mm-hmm. it, it may be you know. Uh, absence know, absence mm-hmm. but may like physical when you think of like serious trauma yeah. it's like yeah. usually physical but with mom the mothers usually sometimes it's physical but it, it's their their words a, a lot of moms don't realize the trauma that they inflict on their children mm-hmm. by the way that they yell mm-hmm. um by the way that they let their anger get a hold of them yeah and that could be just as traumatic as a physical yeah. Um, uh, her. Yeah. And, um, and so anyways, I just say that to yeah. say, because I think, you know, I just, um, I am, I am, uh, we, 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 we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, get, I just, uh, so I think that like, for me growing up in our society, I, I don't know if they, this is just a revelation for me, mm-hmm. but you just, you just always hear about the, 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 the horrible father. Mm-hmm. The horrible dad, the the derelict father, the, the derelict beat. dad, yeah, yeah. and and the mother is never held to account because well yeah. she still fed the kid mm-hmm. or she still took yeah. care of the kid she still but there are all of these issues that many many children tend to overlook but they don't realize that it did in it, it did kind of mess them yeah. up yeah there was to, you know, to go to what you're saying I actually just saw it today was there was a. Uh, Something that happened, I think, within this week or last week, um, a mother at Niagara Falls committed suicide and she took her five-year-old child with her. Oh, mm. no. She jumped off Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. killed herself, but literally held her five-year-old, killed the, killed her five-year-old child as well. And so the news source that put it out, uh, majority of the comments were saying, uh, 
what did the father do to cause wow. her to do that? Right. And there was immediately an right. assumption. And the mm -hmm. TikTok I saw was like a right. girl, a girl who seemingly looks really liberal. She colored hair and all that stuff like that. And she goes, she goes, I'm sick of they just gave a woman a scapegoat for taking wow. her five-year-old with it. She goes, I acknowledge the mother may have been going through some things, mm -hmm. but to take your child with you and say, since I want to end my life, I'm mm -hmm. going to end your life. All of a sudden, we're just going, what'd the father do? What'd yeah, the father do? Mm -hmm. And this girl was yeah, like, exactly. the girl was like, man, I'm, I'm sick yeah. of this. Why are we asking? Great we example. wouldn't say yeah. that in any other circumstance. If a father committed suicide, we would say, well, what did the mother do? Right. What did the mother do? You right. know, it's like, it's it is. Point. It's an assumption of, 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 of this ma male guilt that could be there. And it could or it could not be. But in that instance, majority yeah. of the comments were just like, yeah, what did dad do? What did the man yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. What did it, you know, instead of just thinking. The mother has to be the victim. Yeah. You know, all the time. That's like kind of our, the, yeah. the mom is always the victim. I think to but a recent like, conversation I had, just the most recent one I did with my dad where, where um, I shared of a of a thought or a, or a pain. And it was about three weeks ago. My mom was cleaning out uh, their house and she came across my report card from junior year. And I sent it to some of you guys. I had a 1.45 GPA my junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. I had uh, four Fs, one D and one B in history or five Fs, something like that. So that's essentially when you work it out between like a 1.4, 1.6. Um, and so my dad sends it to me and I, I knew I did bad in school. I knew I had to get a 2.0 to graduate, which was a lot of work, but I didn't know I was that bad. I didn't know I had almost all Fs. So he sends it to me and then we go golfing like two days later. So we're golfing, we're halfway through 18 rounds and he goes, uh, what do you think? Of, what'd you think about me sending you that, uh, your old report card, huh? And I said, uh, I said, if I'm honest, more than anything, I've been thinking to myself, why did my parents not care enough about me to allow me to get, because I, as I re, uh, recollected, I couldn't remember a time they sat me down. I couldn't remember a time that they got me a tutor. I couldn't remember a time that they stepped foot on the campus. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm putting myself in my shoes with Matthias right. and Thomas. And I'm thinking, if Matthias came home with a 1.4, now I'm anti-education system. A lot of people know that about me <laughs> yeah. is because because anyone who meets me now and just, you know, unbraggadociously, but I have success. I have ownership in companies. I have, you know, I've, I've done very well for myself now being in my 30s. Anyone who meets me now, you, you would never guess that I had a 1.4 and a 1.6 because I believe the education system was set for a person like me to fail because I don't fit in the box. I don't, I don't, I don't just memorize A, B, C, and D, and mm -hmm. I don't just, and so it was pivoted yeah. and, but that, that's a new revelation. So I'm thinking my child is in school is 1.4. If that's happening with ice, I'm sitting him down. What do you need? I'm doing whatever I can to get to a place where he's caught mm. up. I literally had to register my by my senior year for adult night school because I was only one of two kids that wasn't going to graduate high school mm. of 1500 kids graduating. Only one of two. And the other kid, like, like didn't even speak English, was the other kid not graduating. So I told my dad, honestly, why did you guys not care about me? Did mm -hmm. you like, wh why did you never talk to me? Why did you guys never care? And he goes, he just stopped. We were literally about to like hit on one of the holes and he stopped and he goes, to be honest, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. 
Wow. He goes, I guess the only, he goes, well, here's what I know. I was, I was very busy working. His favorite so, child, his yeah. firstborn child <laughs> yeah. was the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his favorite child was the church. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's one of the, that's one of the traumas that we've, we've yeah. dealt with, even though we grew up in an intact home, mother, mm-hmm. father, yeah. no divorce. Um, our father was very absent because his mm. favorito, his, yeah. his favorito. firstborn, his uh, firstborn <laughs> yeah. was the church. Was the church. Yeah. And I remember growing you know? up, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, people would ask me, um, because they really looked up to my father. I mean, you know, tens of thousands of people were coming to church. I would hear this. I don't hear it anymore just because they don't see me as a child anymore. Majority of people. Um, but when I was still younger, people would ask me, uh, what was it like having Pastor Diego be your father? What was it like having Pastor Diego raise you? And my response has always been the same. It's always been, you would know better than I would. That right. would always be my response. Yeah, would, uh, you know, yeah. you would you would know him You're as a father more that than as I a would. Teenage kid. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They'd be like, "What's it like having Pastor Diego be your father?" I'm like, "You know better than I do." Right. You wow. know, and that's just reality. And so he said that in that moment. He was like, "Yeah, I mean, I think I just." I think I was just so focused on work. And then he goes, but I also think maybe, maybe I thought you were smarter than it was let off. Maybe I was, um, maybe I wasn't a fan of, of the way that you were being educated. And I just blew it, blew it off to say, well, the paper may say that my son isn't smart, but I see him otherwise yeah. when I talk to him. And he goes, maybe he goes, I just don't, re- I don't remember. Wow. And I said, um, I said, man, honestly, I'm just, I'm just processing that, you know, and he goes, you know, but I'm, it, this is how to me as a parent, how you recover. He says, Re- regardless of what that was, I'm so proud of who you are today. Wow. I'm so proud of who you've become. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and to me, that's wow. what a parent does is, is to say, I don't remember that era, whatever era you're saying that I wasn't there or I wasn't active. I don't remember that. But here's what I will say mm. is you're beautiful now. I love you now. I'm so proud of you now. And for that, for the young person like us, that may not be good enough for you. I don't, that's where you have to yeah. make sure you don't set unrealistic expectations of right. what you're looking for. Right. Um, you know, like, what do you want them to take you to Disneyland at 30 and right. buy you a sucker and take you on the, <laughs> yeah. you know, railroad? Like, what is your expectation? For me, that was enough for me to, to hear yeah. from my dad. I mean, I don't remember. I didn't need him to say because I didn't care about you. That's why. Or because I love the church more than you. I didn't, I didn't have to hear that. Yeah. Um, I, my feelings crazy. were my feelings. What I, what I, what I wanted to hear in that moment, I didn't have it planned. I just was talking out loud because he brought it up. So I was very honest with my emotions, but his response to me was beautiful in the sense that he said, uh, I'm proud of who you are now. Wow. That, 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 that's what I want you to know. I, I can't rewrite history. Right. I can't, but yeah. I can tell you right now that, that we're here. Yeah. We're on the golf course together. Like yeah. we have yeah. a relationship. I'm making an effort because he invited me to go and play. So it's like, he's like, so yeah. I can't walk away That's and awesome. say, so there may be someone listening to us who's the parent on the other side, you yeah. know, like yeah. you're in your fifties and sixties already. And you're going, well, what do I do to my child in my twenty and eighties? Whatever it is, you don't even have to own up to what happened in their childhood. You could just say, I don't remember it. Or if I did do that, I'm sorry. But, but now you take the step forward. Yeah. Now you, now you acknowledge and you see them where they're at today. You, you know, sorry, I wasn't there for you, but I'll tell you this, you have kids and I've seen how great of a father you are. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate that response and that whole takeaway because, uh, when you asked the question, I'm like, okay, I didn't want to answer initially, but if I'm being true to myself, I did have a traumatic (laughs) childhood, like 
extreme traumatic. I don't know your parameters, but no I did, way you I, did. No, I'm just saying, like you know, no, I, I'm agreeing. Yeah, I'm just I know enough. looking I don't at my air, life. I'm just like, I, I guess I did have a cra- traumatic. extreme yeah. traumatic. So yeah. I was yeah. like, to what I said earlier about empathizing, but that's so true because how my conversations have looked with my parents in my adult life is I noticed this, and not to be um, gloaty or braggadocious, but um, I think it's important for that younger person, millennial, Gen Z, whatever, that is asking that question to lead a respectable life and an honorable life. Because one thing that when I do initiate those conversations with my parents who were just wild when I was a kid, like they were running the streets and just absolutely insane um, is what I think of it even to this day, like absolutely crazy. I They always tell me how much they respect me, the life I've led. Um, and I just say that, you know, and so it's like they respect that a lot. And that has them respecting my my opinion yeah. mm. and my curiosity. And, and your dad has told me that before where so he, he has told me how proud of yeah how, how proud of you he is. Wow. Yeah. And he's also thanked me for kind of helping keep you off yeah, the streets. Sure. And so your dad, you know, though, and not going too much into your trauma, but like your dad knowing, you know, how where you probably could be. Yeah, for because sure. Because your dad was probably where he was at, yeah. which a lot of that dealt with most of your life, him in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, your dad could have said, because usually I know I know the sheriff of San Bernardino, they say, uh, they say 80% of the people that they put in prison today in San Bernardino, they have one immediate family member older than them, uncle, dad, whatever, who has already been in the system yeah, of jail. Sure. They, they, they don't have any real first time offenders I like see. your parents your your yeah. family member has yeah. never been to jail you're just the one rotten egg mm-hmm. they almost never have yeah. that they said it's passed down this idea of incarceration mm-hmm. is passed well, down. not only and that it, and like it's 80 a, a percent of, of them are in a fatherless home yeah yeah totally totally and because the fatherless so home the father's in prison <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the father's in prison, in prison. And that was my dad my dad my dad hated the fact that he was abandoned so even in the crazy lifestyle that he led i could share this is that he was there for me, but in such a unique way because that was his only way to say, at least I didn't abandon you. Yeah. And so it was very interesting because I always say like, my dad was not a, a um, he didn't fall off the face of the earth and he, I wouldn't even call him a deadbeat dad. Um, but it, growing up, like, I'll just say this, like his street name was Maniac. So <laughs> growing up, people calling me Little Maniac. Oh, always wow. made me question, who is my dad? Dang. Like, and what if you ever seen him? Wow. And if you ever seen him, he look he looked just like Snoop, you know, and it's <laughs> just, all dressed in all what red? I don't want to say the wrong color. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But just don't whatever it is. Yeah, 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 just whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you see him head to toe, like he's he's one color of clothing, <laughs> yeah, for you know, sure, like for sure. like you think, oh man, you know. Like, but it's just crazy. Real deal, but know? yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 crazy. You know, it's really serious that I think about how my conversations look like because I've always wanted to forgive them. I have forgiven them, but. Before I forgave them, I knew um, it was a particular a lot of God speaking to me. You need to take that on. You need to forgive them. And so I, I just always, anytime I approached the conversations, they just always told me, my dad especially, which always meant a lot, how much he looks up to me, wow. the father I am, the husband I am. And that, you know, that does carry it's, a lot of weight. healing. Yeah, you super know? healing. And so because yeah. okay. he acknowledges that there was a there was a goal for him or there was a goal for me. And that I yeah. and, and he, how I've surpassed it. And in that, again, always just asking about his story and what were you thinking when you did that? And and it's it's from a pure place, not a blaming place. What were you thinking when you did that? Mm-hmm. How stupid were you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. honestly, tell me what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. you hear that and, and it's comforting because um obviously there's ownership anyways, but it gives you the the you know, 
You're not just a you weren't worthless. That's everyone who's abandoned. Was I not worth staying for? Was I not yeah. worth being there for? And it, and obviously my mind has went there. But when you hear the the climate that that parents who had to go through, and I'm yeah. not giving them a pass. I'm just saying to have that empathetic bone yeah. in your body to just be like, wow. Um, you know, my wife, single mother, was an abusive relationship, making minimum wage. Like that climate, that atmosphere. How can you be a single mom raising three kids, making minimum wage? She wasn't even getting EBT or nothing because I she didn't just know how to do that. Right. Yeah. She, she was not. She didn't have strong English language. So just wild when you just take apart. Yeah, when you pro when you process the outlying, uh, um, um, you know, the outlying environment. Yeah. That. Parents are, or that you're put in right now. You know, if you're a parent in there mm -hmm. who's you're looking, you're like, man, I don't, I got kids that are five and six, and I don't think I'm doing it right. Well, you, you take into account that the environment really has a lot to do in how you were raised. Yeah. A lot of this is generational. So, yeah. you know, I, I had always been one, you know, when we came in the reform movement, uh, there's a couple things that when I came back in the charismatic church that I thought was like, you know, uh, humbug. It was garbage. The, the, the soul ties thing and the generational curse thing, <laughs> right? Soul ties is all your sexual partners. You have soul ties with them mm -hmm. and generational curse is these curses that come down from generation. Wait, you don't believe? Wait, clear, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I am. Okay. I am. I always <laughs> I like, thought, so when I came back into you the charismatic church, when you were, I always thought yeah. it was bogus. But as oh, I, okay. as I have been in ministry, not just in the charismatic church, just in general, and I've been in ministry long enough, I see, oh, wow a lot of things that people are wrestling through is generational mm -hmm. and you could call it whatever you mm -hmm. want. You can call it yeah. uh, generational habit. You can call it Person. generational teaching. You could call it generation hurt, but it, it, a, cur mm. a curse is one way you could put it that there and are there, these, and you there know, are evil spirits and demons that hang out in families. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they don't pass down from generation yeah. to generation yeah. and, yeah. and make a change of lifestyle that those demons are just like chilling. Yeah. And, and if, yeah. if change is never made, you just got this pack of demons that just go with you throughout the generation. Wow. 100 yeah. years, 300 you years, don't repent, 400 you don't change, years. Or, or, yeah. somebody to do it. That, that's the thing about like, I, I listen to, I like listening to Exorcist. One of the, the interesting <laughs> Wait, points. Wait, what? what is, is that a podcast? What do you mean? You I, like, no, I like listening to, to Catholic Exorcist. It's fascinating. But um, <laughs> They so, stream them? No, they, no, they, they have they like podcasts. They talk, they talk about, about it. Podcasts. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. they interview them. Like okay, an exorcist. Okay, so so yeah. Catholic exorcists, they are the experts in exorcism. So they've been doing it for over. They've been doing it a lot. Which is they, they, they got a lot of demons. That's what yeah. exorcism. Yeah, but yeah. one of the things that they say in relation to this is that demons love love to um, move in packs. They're, mm. they're, they're, they move in packs. Oh, wow. Yeah, like bad bad company um, or what is it? Um, misery loves company. company. So that's how demons are. Like that, you know. Jesus had cast out legion for we yeah, are yeah, many, yeah. and in the the guy who he cast out demons with. So you know they hang out in packs. So if you have this the, this genealogical, you know, generational issues with the same sins, the same traumas, yeah. the same, you're 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 having packs of demons that are just cohabitating within that environment through the generations. Yeah. So that's one explanation or definition to me of a generational yeah, curse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like you just have a pack of demons that are have just been yeah. in that family and forever. It's, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. so yeah. systematic. It's like because what I thought I was I was debating a friend about. Um, generational curses and demons and stuff like that, which I, I believe it. And like the way we're talking about it, I just thought of this, like sometimes the habit or the sin is so systematic in your family. Like that demon is kicking their legs up. They probably hasn't harassed you for 
your family for 200 years because what they did was plant a seed and y'all have just mm -hmm. been yeah your hat your yeah environment, he's like hey i can move on to the next person right. or the ne because y'all yeah, yeah. are just taking it and, and so yeah. i was i thought of that you know um dave ramsey yeah. says like i hate quoting him but this is a good one like why <laughs> well, because uh, <laughs> but he said that one crazy zinger because i did financial Peace university uh, is, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so one one thing he said is like diabetes doesn't run in your family nobody runs in your family in other mm -hmm. words, it's not it's not just genetics, but it is the habit. You eat yeah, like your yeah, mom, you right, eat like right, your dad. Right. You don't work out like your dad doesn't work out. You know, the, yeah. like you 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 ran with your dad. You ran because your dad runs. You could right, make an argument right, for that, right. right? So that's really what it's about yeah, is your family's habits. Ran. And so yep. this is all there's a there's a natural explanation for the spiritual idea yeah, we're talking they, about they, of generational did, um, curses. And they did a I forget what they did. Uh, you someone could. Uh, Google it on their own, but they took, um, I want to say Jonathan Edwards, the famous preacher, and then they uh, traced his oh, lineage, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they took uh, this guy right. who was in prison, a murderer, and they traced his lineage. Mm. And in Jonathan Edwards' lineage, you could look it up, but it's like a hundred judges have come out of it. Uh, oh, wow. Three U.S. presidents, yeah. uh, you know, fifty senators, oh, uh, you know, eighty lawyers, Baba, wow. and it just lists. And then it goes, Professor, this guy who was a, yeah. a murderer. It says, uh, you know, eighty convicted felons, mm, uh, 20, wow. 20 prostitutes, mm -hmm. duh, 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 and it just like it goes yeah. through. You can look it up, but I Insane. think it's you could say the Jonathan Edwards and murderer comparison of, of, of yeah lineage, and. Um, and and to me that kind of portrays wow. that at some point you do you have to put your foot down and and to me this going to Caleb's point real quick is like is like that's where repentance and faith in Christ comes because sure. that's what that's where deliverance comes that's where a generational uh, curse is broken whatever you yeah. want to call it just right. like we look at the Father yeah. Son Holy Spirit we call yeah. it Trinity uh, there's no Trinity in the yeah. Bible but that that is the summation of what we call it right. uh, yeah. as you look at it and it's clear in the scriptures to me. I'd be like, well, give me a verse for generational curse. Well, when when you look at the scriptures clear enough, especially the Old Testament, and you see uh, uh, kings that came from David and those that put their foot down and decided to make the Lord their God, uh, their God is now begin to start a generational blessing. And then the moment right. they didn't, and it said that they cursed God and they left God's ways and commandments, mm -hmm. yeah. then what would happen? The family would start to crumble. The, mm -hmm. the, the kingdom would start mm -hmm. to crumble. To wow. me, that's like, oh, that's a summation of a generational curse in the same way that a quote unquote soul tie is like, Oh, where's soul tie in the scripture? It's like, well, just read about Samson and Delilah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, how can a man that's called to be a prophet and a judge um, be right. so connected and so obsessed with this right. sexual pleasure, right? There's a yeah, tie there. Is yeah. Yeah. That is all to Caleb's point. It's all demonic. We yeah. answer not against so, flesh and you know, blood, but yeah. against principalities. And sometimes powers, it's yeah. not as clear as alcohol or lust or whatever, those big things that we're like, oh, that's sin. That's yeah, a generational yeah. curse because I will share a mm. personal experience. Like I, um, growing up, I've just mm. always had this intimidation of speaking. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I wasn't smart enough or I would say the wrong words. Did you have people... a 1.4 in high school? No, it was like a three point something. See? But Ooh, no, I'm just the, kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm a, a task oriented person. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. so I've always felt this, and I'm like, man, why I I got my bachelor's, I got my master's, and and I still feel like I'm just not intelligent enough or smart mm. enough. Mm. And then I started noticing certain patterns with my mom. You know, God bless huh. her soul, and and she's she's a talented woman, talented, but she 
always kind of um, diminishes that or she'll be like, oh, you know, somebody else can do it better. Or like, no, I'm just not going to speak up about it. Mm. You know, so <laughs> I was like, man. And then, you know, in the mm. word of God, it says in First Timothy, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. He's given me, a, a, you know, a spirit of a sound mind right. and, and all of that. So I was just like, I noticed that. And sometimes it's very discreet mm. where you're like, oh, it's not it's not sex or it's not drugs. Mm -hmm. So I'm good. But then when you notice these habits from yep. yourself where you're like, oh, man, why do I always get scared to speak up? Like an like, infer inferiority complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And yes. sometimes that's that's that that's that's it's 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 it, the question. Is it nature or nurture? A lot of times it's nurture in the when you have a, a parent. I'm not saying this is your case, but yeah, a lot of yeah. times when you have a because I grew up with the same thing, I would I would have to present a paper and I would shake and my lip would quiver and <laughs> everything. So, you know, it's, it's one of the one of the the reasons behind that is if you didn't have an affirming parent. So mm -hmm. like, you know, like Adam just said, like, you know, we, we didn't have meaningful, really deep conversations with, with our parents. It was yeah. kind of more superficial. You know, yeah. my mom took care of us and, you know, and, and, and my dad was in, in his own world with the church and stuff. And, yeah. um, but, but there wasn't, um, um, that instilling of confidence and boldness mm -hmm. and courage. And, um, you just kind of felt like, and for me too, like I was, I was, I had a couple of instances of, of being bullied really early on. Yeah. Um, like when I was like six or seven, a, a kid punched me in the face in class. Wow. And I, I never, like, I just kind of hit it. And I, I, I mm -hmm. and, and so a lot of, sometimes that could be due to trauma, yeah. you know, because you're, you didn't get the, the affirmation yeah. that you should have gotten. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. you grow up with this inferiority complex. Yeah. And I'll say too, yeah. sometimes it's that, or sometimes you've mentioned this, um, Pastor Adam from the stage, it's like your words don't match your actions. So I did receive the affirmation. You're beautiful. Okay. You're smart. You can do it. We're here for you. So I had incredible parents that did that. But what I didn't see in my mom, I'm like, mom, you tell me these things about myself, but I, I see that in you and, and, and you're not, you know, going mm. for that degree. You're not. And now she's, praise God, she's going back to school. She's hey. trying to be, you know, getting her degree. Yeah, her. My dad's always pushed her because he's always been like, if I'm not here, I want you to be mm -hmm. great on your own. Mm -hmm. So, but, but when your words don't match your actions, it's like, wait, so you're true. telling me, but you don't do it for yourself. So I'm like, yeah. how, and I'm just kind of like realizing this now, That's you know, so, crazy. so as a parent, when you're telling your daughter or your son, something coming from a child, I'm not a parent. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're telling me this, but, I want to see it in your life too, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I, and sometimes the, it is like, that's like, and, and, and sometimes they aren't to blame. Sometimes it yeah, is nature. Of it's yeah. just like a weakness. It's just yeah, kind of absolutely. like a, 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 um, a, um, what do they call it? Uh, uh, um, I was just the, 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 one of the, the things I just sent you. Like, am I this? Uh, it, oh, it's like a, a chemical, like a disorder, a personality oh. disorder, yeah. 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 a person personality disorder. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes nobody is to blame. Like, yeah, I think a lot of my issues because I have I've got some like weird quirky <laughs> issues. I honestly think I was born with with a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I you were think born with a lot of things. Because but, I was I, like, even the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can get so into I, that. No, but. I, I, just, no, I say that because I just said to him something. I was like. Because I'm yeah. looking up what, uh, this thing called schizo yeah, identity schiz disorder, per schizo personality disorder, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, and I'm like, uh, man, I I line up with every <laughs> aspect of this character trait. You webbing yourself, and, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyways, Dude, I hate anyways. that doctors just search something. <laughs> so, yeah, they go and Google that. themselves. But anyways, no. What, to what you were saying though, this is crazy that you said that because I think there's so much truth in that. 
um, I had a, you know, my childhood was, there was great parts of it. Like I was raised by a God-fearing woman. And when we're, when she's getting ready for church, getting ready for anything, I'd always hear her go, Ooh, dang, I look fine. Oh my goodness. And she was just so confident. And when, you know, I was, yeah, I you started, got a lot of that. I started getting acne and <laughs> I started getting acne in high she school. She passed that down. Yeah. To you. And she, oh, no, you got the opposite. No. So I got, I got acne in high school. She opposite. would, she would drop me off of school. Boy, you look fine. How are you so fine? What yeah. what do you and she just built me up so I just grew up with confidence. Oh, there you go. As yeah. that, that's yeah. where it comes from. But yeah. my wife, yeah. but my wife though, yeah. her mom, she grew up with her mom. Yeah. just straight rag Man, dogging. you just, just yeah. I'm not even gonna say the things on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was a big point of our more life. of a critical home. Yeah. So I told yeah. my wife, I think it's so important for my son to see his mom regard herself as beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's way more bigger than. Yeah, totally. Telling him he's nice and then he sees you be insecure. Yeah. And so, you know, just throughout life when we started visioning that world, one day we're have family, that was a big point I of feeling. I tell that to Ashley all that. I think if we talked about it on the podcast too, it's like when she taught, I don't like my hips. Oh, I don't like yeah. that. I'm always like, just stop. Let's stop. Like, why are you so hard on yourself? Yeah. Like, you yeah. don't you know we don't pass that down to the boys right, don't right. let the boys see their mother yeah, talking man. like that i don't see you that way yeah, like exactly. yeah. um you know it's like and it, it's something that you have to you have to be cautious of your words For sure. you know yeah, it's like yeah. your words will build up or break down right. if uh, stuff isn't taught it's caught so yeah, like i think in your instance percent. you're like being taught you're beautiful you're this and this but what's being caught is otherwise you're like oh but yeah. i'm being told and taught this but from what i'm seeing it's different. I'm seeing it expelled. And that was, uh, you know, that's just one of those things is like, I've always told my dad is like, cause my dad is probably, uh, though we talk about his, his grandeur and commitment to the church, he's probably one of the most humble people you will ever meet in your sure. life. If there's anyone that thinks very little of themselves, it's yeah. him. Yeah. Like go spend time, spend a day talking to him. You will be like, wow, yeah, this guy thinks yeah. that he has no value <laughs> in life. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've always told him that blows me away about him is that I'm like, how can you have done so much? How can you have accomplished so much? But yet you look in the mirror and you think I've not done enough and I've not done anything. Mm. I say, it, it just, it blows. I'm like, because if I did, if I did what you've done in your life, like I would walk out with my chest held up high and I think I yeah. need to teach people, the, you know, you should have 20 masterclass by now, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and in the moment he does, right? Like we even talk about him when me and Caleb know this, we talk about like when he writes a book, he doesn't promote it. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't share it because he thinks if, if people will like it, they'll buy it. If they don't, I'm like, bro, you better go and you better say this thing is better than sliced bread yeah. because it is. Do you believe yeah. that? It's like, yeah. But he's so humble. But wow. to me, that has then expelled uh, what I've caught. Because on mm -hmm. the pulpit, it's like he's very charismatic and um, he's a very uh, blessing-oriented preacher. So he's like, take mountains, conquer things, build businesses. Yeah. He's encouraging the church to strive towards uh, getting out of poverty. You know, when you have a minority church that has almost all been raised in poverty, in well, you want to, you want to, yeah, you, you want to be able to yeah. tell them, hey, shift your mindset. Come on. So he's preached like that over the years. And then I, but what I've caught from him is not a doubt, but a humility wow. that translates as uh, I'm not valuable enough. Uh, so then therefore for me, I've always said, like, if I'm ever in um, pastor circles or whatever, they say, what's the biggest thing that, you know, you always have to work on? I say to me, it's, it's my, 
it's my um, fear of hubris flying too close to the sun. Mm. So I say I get very scared of of myself, and I think to myself, um, I'm not going to promote, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, because I don't want the attention, because I've seen from my father a, a rejection of those things, even though he's built a very big church. But to him, because that's his calling and that's his gifting, he can step on a pulpit and, uh, I mean, he can just totally be bold and deliver, but in actuality, he's actually an introvert. He's actually very self-conscious. He's actually very quiet. And so that's more so what we've received. What, what we grew up with. Is that self-conscious and that, yeah. and that, and that, Reserved and that insecurity and that, and that, uh, and that Because you people know. like our friends growing up, they were, they would always be shocked because they see, have this image of my dad on the pulpit. Very, so they naturally think he's very outgoing, yeah, very dancing on stage. Yeah, and, yeah, he's in that kitchen and he's just like, hey guys, what's up? It's the total, it's the total opposite. So you know, it's maybe, maybe opposite. say five yeah. words in a yeah. whole week, you yeah. know, at home. Yeah. Yeah. Of thing, like the, you know? the one way he did build us up every morning before school, he would have this prayer over us that was, yeah, that was very confidence building. Like, as far as you will be the head and not the tail, you will be a leader and not a follower, mm -hmm. you will be this and you will be that. A, hey. like that. Was, that was a daily prayer, yeah. um, that we that we had prayed over us, which was good, which was helpful. Um, but 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 there beyond that, there really yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Go to school, I mean, he, yeah, he had these great values, he's yeah. still not. I mean, we've had a lot of rules and we had a lot of expectations. When I was starting around 16, I first started my own job. Every time I leave the house, he'd say, remember, you're a messa. Yeah. You know, he'd have these these reminders and these things. So it was very always leadership quality. I mean, I've been a leader ever since I was a kid. Caleb's ever been a leader ever since he was a kid. Uh, Nathan, later on in life, he became a leader because <laughs> he was probably the most self-conscious and the most quiet, which we've talked about on the podcast before, of like his size when he was younger and stuff, being very overweight. But overall, it's like, to me, the, the point of this thing is like, there was a lot of things that they were instilling in us by their voice. Mm. But as I got older and I had these insecurities and I had these doubts and I had these, I don't, I mean, I've been dealing it with this week. I'm like, Adam, why are you even like alive? Why are you doing what you do? Nobody cares. Nobody. While I'm getting DMs of people saying how much they love a sermon or a thing, wow. but there's still this like, why do I got no value? I should just move, sell my house and go move to an island. Nobody would care. Yeah. Nobody, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm like, why do I deal? And it's like, oh, because I caught things from wow. my parents. Yeah. They were teaching otherwise, praying on the way to school, but in their own life, it had not simmered into them mm -hmm. because what they were trying to do was break a generational curse and say, um, I have I have it jacked up, but maybe my kids will have it differ if I say something yeah. different. But right. it's like, no, we need you, right. you, you to settle in it. Yeah. You know, it like needs for to be yourself, a daily life. It you know? needs to be a daily yeah. habit. Going back to the generational curses, it becomes a generational curse when they, these sins become habits. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like, it's like, not like it's who, like, it, it's not bad that your dad drinks alcohol or a beer every now and again. It's when he's right. like be, being a drunk every night and he's, right. he's you know, Can't go punching it. the walls. And right. it's a, that's when it becomes a generational curse. It's yeah. when it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. And so in this sense, that was a habit that we grew up with. Uh, self-deprecating kind of like not not yeah. not having that um not translating into the home life what 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 he was what he was yeah. saying it behind the pulpit and so it was kind of like you know it was this habit of daily life 
that ended up kind of rubbing off on us. Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying. It's just having those conversations, you know, when appropriate of whether it's my mom and I, hey, sweetie, I know you, you know, I tell you these things, but, you know, I struggle with some of these stuff. So then it kind of like allows me to process thoroughly what she's going through. So like I said, mm-hmm. when it's appropriate, you're not probably going to do this with a five-year-old. But um, with right. that said, um, <laughs> so how do you guys determine uh, when it's appropriate for a parent to be a friend? Because I know I hear a lot, oh, a parent shouldn't be your friend. So at what, is it an age? Is it when, like Jermaine said, when you have kids? Or when, so can, when, when I, is that appropriate? When I, when I because I, I want to make sure that I'm not um, speaking too negatively about my dad, because that was one aspect with my dad mm-hmm. that I had once I started running. So now this is where me and Adam kind of differ. We, we <laughs> kind of take different paths. Mm-hmm. Because once I started running, that's when my dad became my friend. Before I started running when I was uh, 12 or, or, or uh, 13 or somewhere around there, before that, my dad was like this, like, enigma. Like this just – this. I didn't really know him. Like intimidated he, yeah. by him. And I was intimidated very by holy, him. Great. He was just, yeah. yeah. Like this perfect thing. Yeah. Then once I started running, mm-hmm. I took on his hobby. We would run together. That's when we developed a strong bond. He How was always you? very supportive, showed up to my races, uh, gave me- 14, gave first me year of tips. high school mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, it, it started in, uh, uh, well, I would say it really launched- so eighth grade, it really launched into high school. So eighth yeah. grade, ninth grade. So you're talking about up until then, I don't even really know years. my dad. Yeah. feel like I know my dad. And then I start running. Mm-hmm. And then like we developed a deep friendship, a deep camaraderie. Um, and, uh, and, and so it's, but one of the things that I want to, because I look at also, I look at the difference with at how Adam grew up, and he mm-hmm. felt was 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 they didn't have that bond because they didn't have that hobby. So with my kids, I want to be their friend as early as possible, and the way that I do that is by being into their common interests. Even if I'm not into it, I make myself into yeah. it, and that's how we form a bond. Like like I talked about with um, listening Nirvana. I've never listened to Nirvana in my life. My daughter's listening to Nirvana. Mm-hmm. So now I'm bumping Nirvana yeah. and I'm getting into, into Kurt Cobain and I'm watching Kurt Cobain documentaries and I'm like, Oh, this guy's cool. And, and now I'm talking to my, my daughter about it. So now what's happening? A friendship is being formed. C.S. Lewis says, says this about friendship, like in order for a friendship to exist, it can't exist without a common hobby or a common activity that you're both interested in. If you think about all your friends, you you were friends we with them because you shared a specific hobby. You weren't just, it just didn't right. come out of a vacuum. Right. So that was the thing with my dad. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I felt like he was my friend because we shared that one hobby. We would talk about that hobby. He didn't do the same thing with Adam. He didn't do the same thing with Nathan. Yeah. And say that, so they grew up, he could talk about how he felt growing up. But, but that's one thing that I've learned is that um, in order to develop friendship with my children, I have to be into what they're into. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how and, that's and I think those 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 for a very a long season can uh, last simultaneous. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point the parenting thing does have to drop off. Yeah. So I think I think it, it just different for everybody. But it, but when your child begins to establish their life on their own, live on their own, start a family, yeah. now it's time to drop off your parent hat. 
uh, become uh, a grandparent supporter. or become a supporter, uh, uh, a cheerleader, oh, sure. yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I've been in church very long. So I talked to a lot of uh, parents and grandparents. And the reason why there is a distance between their children who now have grandchildren is because they're still trying to parent their 35 year old, yeah. their 32 year old, try to tell them how to live, what to do, blah, 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 blah. Uh, like I don't do that with my friends. Now in discipleship, like I got friends, we dis do disciple. Yeah. yeah. We call each other out. We yeah. hold each other to standards, yeah. but I have other friends like, 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 uh, you know, my barber's my friend, Daniel, when Daniel's sitting there, if I hear something that's like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I don't go be like, Daniel, stop the haircut. <laughs> All right. Like, Let me I don't think you should be because yeah. it's just like, I'm your friend. You, you do your life. I'm going to do my, and then I'm going to give you wisdom. If you ask, I'm going to give you my advice. If you ask, if I've been welcomed into that space. Mm -hmm. And so I, but I, but I, I, I agree in the sense of, of being a friend as early as possible while also being a parent at the same time. Those, yeah. those two can simultaneously and exist I, and I want to say like, when it's done well. It's, yeah, it's healthy, sure. yeah, and watch know? out, watch out, watch the warning signs, especially when you're dating and you, watch the warning signs for your in-laws or if, yeah, if, if there's yeah. a mother or there's a, there's a father or that, that, because a lot of, a lot of issues in marriages are, are issues with in-laws because yep. the, the, the husband is, is, is allowing his mom to make too much decisions and, and letting yeah her get in the way of his wife and his wife feels neglected it feels like she his mom is more important than she is and planning the wedding will expose exactly. a lot of yeah, the, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of the in-law relationships yeah as well and so when i do premarital at some point and we always do address is we talk about we talk about what's your relationship with your parents what's your relationship with your mom and dad how do your parents fight at, at yeah. when you were raised and then how how did your parents show love and affection yeah so those are things at some point i'm always talking to when i do counseling and premarital because people don't realize how much of that goes and so right away if i'm dealing with a young man and he says well um i didn't see how my parents because i was only raised by my mother i was well, now there's big, big, big red flags because number one, we have to decide, mm -hmm. is there hurt from yeah. your father not being in the home? Because if there is, you know, there's something that need, we need to do in healing in that. And then also, that also means you have no expectation of yeah. what a father and uh, what what manhood looks like or or vice versa with yeah. womanhood. She may not know. And I, I meet a lot of women who, when they don't have fathers in the home, they expect their husband to be the father, to right. fill in that void that they never had. Yeah. It was very, very unhealthy. So when I'm doing the premarital and counselings, talking about the family dynamic is super important. Yeah. And then and then I've deal with um as of late, you know, I've done premarital where we've also dealt with really great parents but who have really sheltered. And so then that person in the premarital has these weird unrealistic expectations that are almost Disneyland-esque that go, you know, if they have their first fight, it's like, well, my mom and dad have never had a fight. It's like as far as you know. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so now it's another, you know, so yeah. we, whether you had a great home, bad home, whatever it is, like when I do premarital and we talk about these new families starting, I think that's why the Bible so just really beautifully puts it that uh, when you found your wife, you know, you will leave your mother and father and you two will become one. It's this idea of whatever it was from mom and dad, yeah, and leave that behind. You know, it's yeah. like mm -hmm. you need to start fresh in this family, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's so good. good. There yeah. is a realm of responsibility I will throw back on to the person that's trying to build a family or whatever because that sheltering parent who's trying to parent an adult a man of his house 
because I, I, being exposed to a lot of couples at the church, my experience with that is like, you know, my parents acknowledging that I've went further than they ever have, not in a, um, not in a bad way, except being there for my family, building a life legally, like stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they, they acknowledge that like, you've, you're, you've already went into places I've never been. So I don't get that from my parents, the parenting. Now I have friendship, I'm building, restoring relationships. But I do see this well-off, top 1% earning parents trying to drill through and be like, what are you guys doing, married couple, my son or my my son-in-law? Yeah, your, your father-in-law makes $300,000 a year or, you know, or just has done great for themselves and they feel like you're dumb mm-hmm. or they feel like you're irresponsible or they feel like – and so that's why I think I'll send some responsibility back to the to the younger person and say like, what kind of life are you leading does your family trust that you're trustable with everything you're trusted with and with your kids and all that? Because I don't think it's always as basic as I'm just a traditional person trying to throw traditional values on you. It might be sometimes because, um, I, you know, a lot of like youth volunteers are older and they always talk to me about that. And they say, man, my son, like they've done great. They've retired and, and they have multiple how and they just done great for themselves. And they go, I don't know what the heck my son is thinking. I don't know what the heck they're doing right now. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm curious about that on that side of things. What is that? You know, mm-hmm. not that they're one's right or wrong, but I just don't think there's enough dialogue to be like, why do you keep giving me financial advice? Maybe because they think you're bad with money, right? Or what do you think? You're saying, I'm trying to get what you're saying. You're saying the... Um when, the, ki- the, when kids because don't we're, live up to expect their no, father, we're their addressing, parents' we're expectations? Addre- or? Yeah, because we're addressing like parents being hovering over their adult children who have families already, right? Mm-hmm. I think they got so, they got to let them go if they're not under sure, their for roof. Sure. If they're not under their roof, they got to let them make their own decisions for sure. and mistakes. But what self-reflecting is that person doing, right? Like if you keep coming to me, even you Pastor Adam who you mentor me, you keep coming to me with the same kind of questioning, I have and if I always give you pushback versus be like, why does Pastor Adam keep addressing me about this? Right? That oh, doesn't, yeah, yeah. I, I think I give I just don't yeah, want to, yeah. because the yeah, way we're sure. answering is very empathetic to. But what the I'm person. saying, I think what I'm saying that maybe, maybe it got missed or whatever is where you're at often comes from your environment. And so, and so you have to, you have to. So let's just say I am the person that you said, the, the, the child, and they're going, what are you doing with money? Blah, blah, blah. Well, more than likely as a parent, did you teach them the value right. of a dollar? For sure, for sure. Did you teach or did because your parents came out of poverty and then you made a life for yourself and now your kids are growing up in a life of privilege and they didn't have to work for anything. And and because I hear this a lot from parents is I never had a great Christmas for now. So now I buy my kids hundreds of presents mm-hmm. at Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now you're just, one now you're, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you're just creating a, a new generational yeah, yeah, yeah. curse, you know, yeah. which is sure. overindulgence, which is greed, which is, you know, yeah. and so Entitled. to me, it's like you, you got to yeah. start teaching your kids young, very young sure. uh, about generosity. You have to start teaching your kids very young about the evils of greed, especially if you're now a family who has come out of it and you guys have money and you're you're taking steps towards generational wealth. But for me, I mean, our parents, uh, you know, in our 20s had passed down some generational wealth. And so and so for us, that was to me, that weighs a lot like to me at the end of the day. Uh, if I'm eating off of my parents' table or what has done for generations, then I need to respect the work that my ancestors have put in. My gra- mm. our grandfather, great. Let's just say there's a trust. Let's just say there's a property or real estate. Yeah, it isn't your job 
to be able to just uh, uh, trash it away, to be able to just uh, not treat it with like there are people who have bled and sweat uh, to either get. And, and that's the way I look at it. Like on both sides of my parents, they're they are immigrants. So it's like they gave up everything to come into this country. And so I need to respect this country. Right. This idea of people who 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 just pee on America all the yeah. time and just I'm like, do you know what your grandparents and your great grandfather right. did to get into this right. country? And I'm not talking about African Americans because that's a different generation. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm talking, I'm yeah, Hispanic. For sure, for sure. I'm you know I'm, my right. got, like, my family came from Spain. Columbus my family on one came from yeah. And we got a Puritan on the other. Yeah. On and the then, other and end. yeah. And then we have so we're, and then we have and then you know on my grandma's side they came straight from Mexico. So and then and then wow. on my and then on my grandma's mother's side. Uh, they were Mexicans who worked with the Native Americans in Nevada, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think of that work, right? Like my my great grandma would always tell me a story before she passed. She would tell me that her grandmother uh, was Mexican and worked with the Native Americans in Nevada. And she said they traded secrets. She taught them how to make alcohol. Uh, and then they taught her how to create a, a mud foundation uh, to build a mm. home. The Native Americans know how well, to. We need some of those you know, skills perfectly. nowadays. I know, right? right. That's good. So, gotta, so the Native that's... Americans had perfected the ability to take dirt and sand and make it harder than brick. Wow. Um, to build homes, and so they traded knowledge, and so just by hearing from my great grandma, like, like, wow, you you guys have been here a long time. You did a lot of work. Like, look at me now. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. look where I get to be at now because y'all slept on a mud floor, wow. you know, 150 years ago. Like you have to, you do like, you got to wake There's up weight. at some point and value that. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say, you know, I'd say this too. Like if you're, if you're disappointed in your kid or your kids, um, if all of your kids have money issues, then the blame is on you. For sure. If one of them and the others turned out okay, well, then then it's just kind of an anomaly. And yeah, then or you if just it's gotta... an in-law mix up, maybe one yeah. comes for money. Yeah, one yeah, or what? Yeah, but yeah, 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 I see that. I see yeah, that. But, but because uh, you know, sometimes we just look at our kids and it's just it's just like, oh, they're messed up. It's like, well, you, really, you don't think you had anything right. to do with it? Yeah, sure. So, but but to me, the test, the real test is like, like look look at all of your kids. Do they all have issues? Well, if they all have issues, if they're all wayward, if they're all if they're all jacked up, it's not their fault. Yeah. So take <laughs> yeah, your hands yeah, off the wheel, anyways. And, and the first step might be to owning those things yeah. and allowing healing to happen, so that you can restore the relationship, rather yeah. than rather than oh, I'm just praying for them. I'm praying they get back in church. Yeah. Well, m maybe they get back in church by you sitting them down and saying saying sorry, saying, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry I had five husbands. Or sorry, right. as a dad, I was never around. Yeah, sorry, sure. I, you know, like you, you want them to be in church now that you found Jesus. And that's what I always tell people too, is like, whether they're talking about kids, family, whatever, I'm like, I'm glad you have found Christ. Mm -hmm. They haven't yet. Cause it's this idea. Why don't they get it together? It's like, so you came out of the womb and you had it together. Like, wow. no, just remember your twenties and your thirties and your da da da. And so I just always give parents hope of, I believe the scriptures to be do true. Train your child up in the ways of the Lord. When they get older, they won't depart from it. The Bible does not say at what age when they're older. So mm. just stay, mm. stay committed, stay committed that you did your job. 
I'm, I'm doing everything in my power to raise my kids in the ways of the Lord. And if for some reason one day they, they became wayward or for whatever reason, I'm going to at least be able to reflect and acknowledge, did I do my part? And if I didn't, I need to own that. And I need to, but did I do my part to be able to reconcile them? Did I do my part right. to be able to teach them the ways right. of the Lord? And then I if like I that. did, then it's just their free choice that they got themselves in that circumstance. And I'm going to be able to reflect as the prodigal son would, the love of the father. At what point do I give my son his inheritance? inheritance to go and sleep with the pigs. And I'll tell parents that sometimes and no parents don't want to hear that. I say, sometimes mm -hmm. your child's going to have to hit rock bottom to come back. Cause that's what the prodigal son story teaches us is it didn't take until he was eating with the pigs that right. he was like, Oh man, under my father's house. Yeah. And he was reconciled back to God. And, and in the moment, the father in that story saw his son from a distance he sprinted to him to, to embrace him and to hug him. And so to me, like that's the parallel of what I'm trying to do with my children is, is at what point do you, do you give them and, and step aside and let them run with it? At what point do you embrace them and bring them back in? And that's a dance that you got to kind of allow God to reveal to you on when to do that and how to do that. But, um, and that would be similar between, so that's a parent with a wayward child. Now the opposite, there's some kids that probably, have found Jesus, you're an adult or a teen, but yeah. your parents haven't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's similar where Yeah, it's I like mean a, I think it's still a radical love. It's a it's a radical forgiveness. Right. Like like uh to yeah. me it's like if, if parents are still uh, unbelieving and you're a believer, it's like it steps towards reconciliation is just forgiveness, not yeah. necessarily even right. just throwing on them hat, you know, if your father still struggles with alcoholism and you're at the house like um that's coming from some type of pain that's coming from some type of desire to forget something or whatever it may be. They it's escapism. That's what alcoholism yeah. is in many ways. So it's like, how can I, how can I love them through this? How can the gospel love covers what a multitude of sins? So it's yeah. like, yeah. I'd be looking for opportunities for my parents on how I can love them mm -hmm. in, in a deeper way, how I can, and get your spouse on board with that. I mean, that's why I always tell people who you marry will give you a life of heaven or a life of hell. I'm very thankful that I have a wife that loves my mother. You know, I'm very thankful that I have a wife that loves my father, you know, and I'm very thankful that, and I'm sure my wife would say the same. She's very thankful that we love her mother and her father and that we sacrifice for them. We have a great marriage where we're committed to each other's families. That's not always the same in other marriages. Yeah. So it's always like, that's your mom and dad, that's your mom. And it gets, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So I just be mindful of who you marry and what their position is on your parents and their parents yeah. and stuff. Cause but it also, is going to be some on the, weight, on the other end of the spectrum. Cause that, that's a great, that's a great point. I just want to cover the other side of the coin. Um, when you marry your spouse, you're not marrying your in-laws. You're not marrying their mom. You're not marrying their dad. Um, because a lot of times conflict within marriage can arise when you know when the, the the parents they the the mother and father continue to have too much of a place in the house and too much control and it causes conflict within the marriage mm -hmm. so just have this saying yeah in but your i mind, think that's that's control that's not care i think those yeah, two things yeah. are are very right. different but from what each i'm other, saying you know? is you did not you, like you did not marry their in-laws mm -hmm. so you you don't have to feel a, a sense of obligation to your in-laws that you should exclusively feel towards your husband or towards your wife. That's all I'm saying because a lot of times, a lot of times that 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 causes a lot of issues in marriages, and people just don't get that. But you like like there like 
uh, there was a time when my mother-in-law was at the house and she kind of overstepped her bounds. And so this is a practical yeah. manifestation of that advice that I have or that that philosophy that I have is she went beyond her place. I disciplined my my one of my, my boys and she didn't like the way what I said. She didn't. So she corrected me in front for, of your kid. She corrected me for 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 uh, uh, correcting my because it yeah. wasn't the way she 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 wanted it done or she she thought it should be done and so i said <laughs> yeah well i, I, I mean i had yeah. a conversation with so that's what I, I think that stuff is just overstep but when i talk about i'm thankful for my wife's commitment my parents and the fact that uh my parents watch my kids a lot and and my wife does not treat my parents as babysitters she treats them mm. as parents yeah no i get she, what you're she saying she goes to lunch with my saying. mom I'm that, just that's presenting the, the, the other end of the coin well, and sometimes just, it's I'm not just offering a, yeah. the full picture because um that's all i'm saying i'm not disagreeing with you right, i'm right. just yeah. adding the other extreme yeah. the yeah. other extreme you're you're presenting yeah. what to avoid the extreme of like i hate your parents i hate your mom and you're you're giving wise advice i'm saying the uh, but there's also another no, side yeah. of the coin no i'm saying i'm blessed by that put, right, i'm right, saying right. that's not put, normal where you, know? you put too <laughs> yeah. much right where so, you yeah. put yeah. too much emphasis yeah. on the in-laws and and now you know the 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 the, the mom is or the father or the mother is dividing the marriage because yeah. and then one is listening to the mother and father over the wife and over and and they know things that they shouldn't know. Or and yeah, too much, yeah. You hear you your know. wife start a sentence like, no, well, way, I was I, talking to my yeah. mom, by the way, so I'm like, whoa, way, where is this? Wait, wait, let me be clear. I love my mother-in-law. Right, 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 right. Great mother-in-law. <laughs> I, I am blessed by my mother-in-law. I really feel like I have the best mother-in-law. But that was just one incident where it's like, okay, you, you got to have those boundaries as yeah. well. Because some people don't. Because that's what you're talking. Well, that's what I think. They, yeah, don't, they don't need a parent anymore. Yeah, exactly. To me, just that that's where hard lines is. Is the, the grandparent don't need a parent no more? Yeah. You know, and just like watch out you... for the overstepping in all realms because yeah, it's not as yeah. obvious as that. It's sometimes I was talking to my mom today and she thinks like yeah. what? she doesn't you know? think we should. Right. It's like up, well, okay, yeah. kind of a passive exactly. aggressive sort so, of a thing. Yeah. But you yeah. know, I agree yeah. for sure. Yeah. Agree with yeah. everything. Yeah. All right, it's a great great conversation. We, we went way we, we, we went to one absolutely question. We were supposed to do like I wanted to. We were supposed that was the one you wanted. Yes, because yeah. That, yeah, we because what? well, Nancy's no, the kidding. one who sends them to us, so she probably put it at the top for a reason. <laughs> I did. Oh my yeah. gosh, I did. Very yeah. manipulative. For the record, Nancy. I think oh we had uh, I think we had fourteen questions. Wow. <laughs> yes. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing to keep the Grinch away from the toy drive. Who's going to deliver the toys to the kids? What about me, the Grinch? No. Yep, even easier than that. You steal the presents one time. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One NA member FDIC. Copyright Dr. Seuss Enterprises. Copyright Turner Entertainment Company.